Good evening. The calm Christian here. Talking to himself yet once again by making another video podcast. Why do I keep saying video? Anyways, I'll leave that mistake in. Was listening to a Christian pastor that I really like on YouTube. His name is Dr. John Barnett. He's a Baptist pastor. He has the 52 greatest chapters in the Bible. Absolutely wonderful series. I guess if you don't like somebody that can talk your ear off, you might not want to hear him. But you can see the dedication in this man, how he loves the Lord and he just teaches and so much information. But there's also a warmth towards Jesus there too. He likes people. He genuinely likes people, I sense. And an absolutely amazing Bible teacher to listen to if you want to get good teaching about scripture. It's called DTBM, Discover the Bible Ministries. And it's Dr. John Barnett on YouTube. And keep calm, carry on. It's going to be okay. Was talking to my Baptist mentor, that's what I call him. And we're going to restart our Bible study that we have on Thursdays. I met I met all the people working at my present employer. I met them all in 1999. And they were all the same employees of the same bank that we worked at. And they had a Bible study on Thursdays. And now we're going to restart. And was talking to him over the phone. And we used to all meet there on Thursdays at the actual bank. We had a room and uh, most of them, all of them have retired. I'm the only one still working. But when COVID came, it swept everybody away. And we were all sort of scattered to the wind. And then we discovered Zoom. And now we've been using Zoom, took a summer break. And I, I really wasn't feeling to go back again. I was really not feeling motivated. Just kind of tired. A lot of stuff going on with me, with work. Kind of overloaded financial stuff. And I just called him today and I said, I, I didn't really feel motivated. I'm very sorry. I didn't really want to do the co-teaching. Because we, we, we teach together. I'm not, I'm not a teacher. And he's more of a teacher than me. Um, I guess we co-lead. We just have, like, you know, back and forth, and everybody else jumps in. So I think we have a really nice Bible fellowship. I don't really call it a Bible study. call it a fellowship because we ask each other questions, and we, we go through the chapters. We've been going through Dr. Barnett's 52 Greatest Chapters. But I don't want to be in a Bible study where one person talks and everybody just sits there silent. You know, you got to talk, too. So I said, I'm sorry, you know, I'll, I'll start with you in October. So I, I can't, you know, reading the Bible should be fun. Studying the Bible should be fun. It shouldn't be a doldrum. It shouldn't be boring. It shouldn't be drudgery. 
and it shouldn't be tired obligation. And it's never been not for me. I can open up a Bible and read it. I can, I'm not intimidated by revelation. I don't have to read the King James and look at all these study notes. Sometimes the study notes in some Bibles really distract me. You know, when I've read the study notes in another Bible I have, it's kind of distracting. Why don't you just read the Bible and have fun and ask the Lord to show you? And if you want more, the internet is littered with commentaries. There are so many choices out there. The more choices we have, the less we seem to be able to do. I think it's analysis paralysis. I certainly get an analysis paralysis. Anyways, I was telling him about my life and what was sapping my energy. And I, you know, told him about things. And I said, you know, I saw somebody who was a friend turn against me in a way I have never seen. I would have never thought that was possible if I had not seen it and witnessed it for myself. And he knew what I, who, he knew who I was talking about and I told him. And I said, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. I absolutely saw somebody that when I decided to enter the Jesus train, Jesus only, Jesus-centric, and walk away from the Sabbath train, from the Sabbath-centric and the Church of the Dead Lady, that person said, no can do. I can't live with you that way. And that person decided to go away, to separate. I know what I saw. And of course, there's always, you know, both sides, you know, of a, of a, of a story. But I know what I saw. And I realized that the gospel is available to all. The gospel is available to all. But it doesn't mean that all want the gospel or they don't want it now. And if God should open your eyes and all of a sudden you want to be a Christian, you want to be Jesus-centric, you want to go to church, you want to read the Bible, your partner might not want that. The best you can hope for is they let you go to church. And the worst you might get is you might get divorced or separated. Because I've witnessed something I never thought I would see. It says in the Bible, it says in Ephesians 4 verses 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardening of their heart I used to say to myself wow Noah's a real loser guy preaches for 120 years and he doesn't even have any converts are you kidding me like you're building a boat on dry land. I don't even know if these people ever saw any rain. It was supposed to be the pre-flood world. 
it's weird how all the continents look like they were all stuck together like they used to say in the the old books you know about dinosaurs it was called pangea it was like a supercontinent and then somehow there were like events that happened millions and billions of years ago that caused the everything to kind of split apart they're not saying anything about the flood but isn't that really weird how like south america and africa kind of look like they got torn apart like isn't that really strange because it says in the bible that the the um the uh, the deep was opened up the floods of the deep way, of the deep gave way maybe it wasn't just a nice little rainfall it was something in the earth got torn up something was unleashed because all of a sudden because all of those people how how would the pre-flood world get to noah like would they cross you know seas to get to noah or was it all connected hey what you doing what are we doing today well uh, i hear there's some nutty guy in the part of south you know like middle earth and he's been building this crazy i don't know what you call it boat ginormous looking thing he called it an ark and he's preaching that you know god or whatever whatever you know is supposedly going to flood the place because we're all really bad yeah let's go check him out today yeah that'll be good for a laugh and okay if you're going to walk across the land and hear this guy's been preaching for 120 years that seems almost believable but to get into a canoe or boat or row across the sea just to hear him that doesn't sound really right but it is weird how this Pangea looks like it was one big gigantic landmass and then there was this flood that opened up the you know the deep and all of a sudden we've got continents now that are all separated with coastlines that look like they're part of a jigsaw puzzle I, I think that's really odd don't you that's really really odd but I have learned through all of this that if you are the greatest orator there ever was, you're the, whether you're Noah or Moses or whoever you are, you can't force somebody to love God. You can't do that. Because only God's spirit can soften their heart. Remember when Samuel was really angry and God says, why are you angry? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. That's what God said to Samuel, why are you angry? It's not about you. They're rejecting, they're rejecting me. You know, even Jesus says in Luke 10 verses 16, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Wow, that is serious business. So, even though this person turned against me, they did reject me. I mean, I was the guy who received the beats, you know. And the person just didn't want to sit down, didn't want to talk. It takes two to dance in life. And when one person doesn't want to be part of the dance card anymore, that's just the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you may end up being the one who gets rejected because you embrace Jesus. Christ 
has a cost, a really heavy cross. And he has a cost. Jesus says in John 5:22, "For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son." Wow. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Okay. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And if somebody's not going to honor the Son, that means Jesus says, if you're not honoring me, you're not honoring my heavenly Father. That's a big claim for anybody to say. But if the you if you want to honor the Son, you may turn around one day and find out the people who were your friends before, they might not want to have anything to do with you. And it might be the weirdest thing you have ever seen in your life. Because if I had not seen it with my own eyes, if I had not experienced it, the rejection, I would not have believed that it was possible. I'm sure I've tried to read the Bible in my life before, but there's no way that I would have seen that. Your, your eye won't pick out something you haven't experienced, but when you experience something, then when your eye sees it, you go, oh, that's why. This is some kind of spiritual fight. It's so true. In Matthew 10, if I can find it here. So when I stumbled into the church four years ago in a kind of a mental raw state, and I said to the then pastor, sir, I know you don't know me. You only saw me in February. I, I, can I ask you, I don't know why my marriage is not working anymore. Can you help me? He said, ha ha, I'm in the same boat. Well, I was so nervous, I didn't even hear what he said. But after we became friends, and I kept going to the church, of course, and, you know, he bought me a lot of lunches, and, you know, he just took me to different places and bought lunch and listened to me because I was just babbling like an idiot, you know? And he said, um, you, you, need to, you need to realize something here. He turned to Matthew 10, 32, or 33, or 34, Matthew 10, 34, and this is what he showed me. Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow! And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. It will cost you to be a Christian. And it may cost you in a way you never saw coming. But when you realize it's in the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus comes to bring a sword, you will look at that and you say to yourself, Oh, 
I get it now. It makes sense to me. Believe me, if I knew that was going to happen, I might not have made the decision I made. Jesus says finally, Blessed are you, Matthew 5.11, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I met two Christians who said they were the black sheep of the family before I was a Christian. And I said to myself, what, what are you talking about? What, what, what is this black sheep thing? But you may find out that when you do decide for Christ, somebody somewhere has drawn a bullseye on your back. And you may be totally shocked at what comes out at left field and you never saw it coming. It ain't your fault. It goes with the territory. That's all I need to say to you. God is with you. It might hurt. But however much it hurts, Jesus says, you must forgive. He says to pray for your enemies and you must forgive. It may take you one year, five years, or 10 years. The sooner the better, but I don't tell anybody what to do. I ask you to think about what I'm telling you. But you must forgive. But it doesn't mean that you have to reconcile with the person again and open yourself up to damage if the person has not expressed to you godly sorrow about their sorry what they have done to you. They may say worldly sorrow, it, they're sorry about how it's turned out for them. But you don't have to reconcile with them if you don't want to. It's your choice. But Jesus says you must forgive. That's all I'm saying. God bless you.